0: The anime on the Sea to Sky, episode ten, uh, the end of my first series of podcasts that I've been trying to put out on this one episode per week schedule. We finally made it to December, so I mean, at least that's a little bit of a plus. But I'm honestly curious to see how the rest of it's going to go. I mean, in terms of news for the, the, the beginning of this week, it's not really prevalent to a lot of stuff. There is not really much that has been going through, considering that everything's just been kind of dialing down. Getting into the last month of the year, and it's been a bit of a doozy, and we all just want it to be over. But to be fair, we've only got a couple more weeks to go, so at least we got that. I mean, a show that I really wanted to include in my upcoming list, it's just that um, Keep Your Hands Off, Azoken ended up being put in the New York Times for one of the 2020's best shows, and honestly they can't be wrong it's possibly my favorite of the year in a year where there just wasn't really much choice to be had everything ended up getting moved to 2021 which is why the uh, winter 2021 season is absolutely going to be nuts in terms of the amount of content and the amount of sequels and the amount of shows that are going to be popping up over the course of these next couple of weeks but we still have to wait a bit but honestly, not too long, considering that Attack on Titan's first episode is going to be coming out in the next week or so. And that final season, I really hope, is going to be living up to its expectations. But beyond that, um, it's a shame that I wasn't able to put Ezo Ken up on my favorites lists uh, for this decade in review sort of episode that I'm going to try to finish this uh, series off with. But we're just gonna have to wait and see. But honestly, if there's anything else that I can just uh, say out of this article, it's just like just go watch Hazelkin. If you are a fan of animation, if you're a fan of just the entire medium and how the inner workings go, whether you're one of creativity, whether you're one of um, animation and dynamicism, and regardless, it doesn't. It gives only a few tidbits on the production side, but most of it is just a character uh, study based on which pieces of the puzzle that these three main girls fit into it, and what anime creation is as a whole, but honestly, I just can't recommend it enough. Um, oh, look, the, <laughs> there's another uh, Spice and Wolf VR set that's going to be coming on to uh, the Switch. Um, well, more than the Switch, you've got Oculus Rift, Oculus Go, most of it's, it is a VR sort of title, but the only thing that I can kind of, like, attribute this to being news in my eyes is just, I have the entire light novel set of uh, Spice and Wolf on Bookwalker and honestly I've only gone through the first two light novels and the only reason why I decided to jump into the series as a whole was because I don't know how many years ago it was but the series itself finally concluded and the two main characters end up having a kid which was definitely going to be the ending that I kind of expected but I was really curious to see how they ended up getting into it considering that I was a fan of the 24 episodes of anime that we ended up getting but it's just going to be one of those time and place sorts of deals where it's all sitting on my phone it's all just um waiting in the library just giving just ready to pounce on an opportunity when i have nothing else uh sitting around which might not really happen for a while but as long as it's there i paid for it so i might as well uh read it and give it an opportunity and kind of see how this story fleshes itself out and ends but yeah no i would be really interesting to see how that goes um and speaking of personal uh stories uh so cyber agent caa animation and dmm games have unveiled a mixed media project pride of orange the first girls ice hockey anime ever honestly I'm pretty sure it's the first ice hockey anime, period. I would have to double-check, but honestly, the only ice hockey-related anime content that I've seen, well, not anime content, just inside the medium in general was through a manga form. I know that there's a handful of ice hockey manga that have been going through, like, in the early 2000s and 90s, but it's like, dude, it's... (laughs) It was just such a monkey's paw sort of deal because um, uh, Crocs, or in this case Johnny, a buddy of mine, we were just kind of talking about it. It's like, yo, you have any, uh, any... have you ever like jumped into fan fiction it's like only for a bit and the only um what is it the only soiree that i've had jumping into that sort of medium myself and the only thing that i wrote was like the basis for a high school like ice hockey oh uh, excuse me a, like a, a high school ice hockey anime with a canadian japanese kid <laughs> going through and rising up through the ranks and possibly making it back to Canada but it's just like the only reason why I would make content for myself in that sort of way was because I didn't see any other content like it regardless uh but like I said about the monkey's paw earlier it is this it's more I have a feeling going to be a cute girls doing ice hockey things uh because it looks like uh there's I'm pretty sure was it six or was there seven They've got a full line together. They've got a full line and a goalie at the minimum. So it's just kind of going to be one of those deals where I really have a feeling that it's not going to be like hockey, the anime. It's just going to be cute girls doing hockey things, um, which is kind of unfortunate. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of this, considering that's it's looking to be a slipshod production with somebody that's not incredibly notable um, with a original, uh, project in the works, and it's just, like, I, I kind of feel like it's just going to be them going around and talking a bit about, like, the history of hockey and what makes them so interested, but as soon as they step on the ice, I can only imagine that the majority of this stuff is just going to be turned into CG, considering that I would imagine for a small, uh, studio like them it would be incredibly easy considering that once you get the girls in full ice hockey getup, all you need to do is just put like a cage over their face and it would be incredibly easy to just cg implement their character designs and models into the show just so they wouldn't have to put so much work once they actually step onto the ice so that's just going to be I don't know, it is it is the most bare bones, like, trying to pander to whatever small hockey audience there is in Japan, but you know what, if this is all I'm going to get, then I might as well watch this once it comes out in either late 2021 or early 2022, oh my god, I just, yeah, no, I'm a sucker for hockey, dude, it's been a big part of my life for the majority of the time that I've been here, and uh, I don't know. It's, once it finally comes out, I'll just jump into it and might as well give it a watch because this might be the only Augie content that I'm ever going to have the opportunity to see, unfortunately. But I think for the uh, final episode inside of this first season of series and this first uh, season of podcasts, I thought I might as well, considering that it is the end of 2020, and although I am a year late, I would decide to do a little bit of a retrospect and a personal favorites lists of the shows that came out in the 2010s, so between 2010 and 2019. Considering that over the past two days, I've been going through this incredibly long, Digibro-esque like monologue video where this dude made a near five hour long bloody, Recommend or top lists, basically the top 100 shows um, that came out in the 2010s, and he like watched or dropped every single one. It's like, oh well, that's going to give me a little bit of motivation to try to actually just get this through and see uh, what I can make of it, and give everybody who's listening a couple of recommendations, and hopefully give my or give a little bit of insight into what my preferences are and what my taste can be. Um, But before I talk about television shows, I think I might as well jump into um, my five favorite films of the decade, just uh, going through in no particular order, just basic recommendations to go through. And if we're going to be talking about basic recommendations, I guess I'll just go ahead and throw your name on top of that, considering that, hey, possibly my favorite animated film of all time. You've already heard about it, just the most uh, popular animated film to come out in the 2010s for a good reason. And honestly, I personally like it more for the way it increments its music, and how it's included in the majority of the scenes that's played. Rad Wimps did an incredibly good job melding with Makoto Shinkai and making this film just an absolutely beautiful piece of work, but I would imagine I'm not the first and last person to say go and watch this uh, movie, considering that um, it's already on around you know, thousands of times, but you know what? I'll just add myself onto the list. Just go watch it. Um, I guess in terms of my favorite miyazaki or ghibli film to come out of the 2010s i'll definitely give the wind rises uh that title it was an incredibly good detailed and intrusive look inside one of miyazaki's just passions which in this case is just aviation and planes And considering how that dream of his, when he was designing those as a child, as the main character in this movie does, and how that dream shifts, and how the dream can be morphed and shifted into into different purposes, considering that he's allowed to make planes and design planes, but this is for wartime. This is something that it's always going to have a malicious purpose, and this is not the reason why he ever wanted to make it in the first place, but this is the only opportunity... That he was given at the time. So, unfortunately, that's all it goes through, but just the main two characters, just the couple inside of this is just an amazing uh, duo that drive the majority of the emotional beats inside of this story, but it's just incredibly uh, fascinating and To watch something like a Passion Project go through Miyazaki and what he is able to infuse into that work whenever that kind of pops by. I mean, there's a reason why Porco Rosso is my favorite film of his. I mean, without a doubt, it's just you know how when passion essentially gets injected into a work, you can feel there's always something different. There's always something that's giving it that extra push and that extra mileage that makes it go above and beyond the majority of the films that somebody is able to make. And That's the biggest uh, recommendation or just uh, description I can give about this show, so go give it a watch. The, (sighs) good, yeah, this is, I have no idea how to describe this one. Um, Penguin Highway, I had no expectations, no idea what I, I was going to be walking into this movie for, but it's just, like, one of the most quirky and weird but entertaining films that i probably watched in this entire decade um considering that most of this just follows um i'm pretty sure like a young boy who's around 10 or 11 and he's like not genius is a strong word but he is incredibly intellectually gifted at the at the point where he treats everything like an experiment and when you know penguins start jumping up and around um, his hometown and he's just going around with all his friends trying to figure out what essentially the cause of it is and goes through where he meets this um, older woman who works as a receptionist at a dentist that he has to go through and the both of them become an unlikely duo trying to figure out the mysteries around why the penguins are shifting and bringing themselves into their world and (laughs) there's not really many other ways that i can imagine to describe or recommend this show it's just that i don't know the the production is honestly outstanding the story around doesn't like moves at a perfect pace it's not breakneck it allows the quiet moments to breathe and as the movie goes on and the themes that you that it allows you to experience by the end of it um is honestly something that was incredibly unique over the past couple of years and I can't give it uh, big enough of a recommendation. Um, the most recent film on this list that I ended up watching, I ended up watching twice, one in both the sub and the dub would have would undoubtedly go to Promare. It just triggers, not really magnum opus, but it is the most trigger movie by far. Just incorporating all of the quirks and unique little flourishes that the directors of that, that came from Gynax and all of the content that they've been creating over the past decade and what has become before them and what it's going to be leading into now especially with how they were able to incorporate the CG elements and fire into this movie was absolutely flawless. There was just little to no downtime. All the action was just on point. Some of the slower points didn't really have enough time to just get developed and move along, but essentially um, Leo and um, Gallo just do an incredible job just carrying the entirety of this film even though all the side characters are just quirky enough in their own right not really getting a lot of time to be developed but there's not really much of a reason to because you know exactly what you're going into this movie for you know it is basically just trigger doing what they do best and bringing the absolute insanity to the screen in every which way and form uh, the soundtrack was absolutely fantastic to jive and jump around to. Um, I would imagine there were a handful of people that were kind of annoyed when people would start singing this in the theater, but that's honestly, which I would probably get a little tipped, but it was probably like one of the best Uh, theater experiences I had in the decade considering that it was just so hype and everybody knew exactly what they were getting into as soon as they walked into that theater and I mean it's the only movie on this list that I ended up going back like I watched this in theaters twice once in sub and once in dubbed and the dubbed was also just a fantastic rendition and a really good adaptation which probably one of the reasons why I ended up like jumping into it was because I wanted to pay attention more to the visuals and I didn't have to read because there's just so much (laughs) happening on the screen all at once and the fact that I only had to listen to the characters and just take in everything that was happening was honestly just as good of an experience as I had the first time but I don't know the dub was really solid and really did a good job trying not really replicating but putting their own spin on the characters as well and they fit um, each of their own respective roles to a T. So that's uh, definitely one of the, one of my favorite experiences, uh, film experiences over the past decade. Um, although second to your name in terms of my, just below for my favorite uh, film of the 2010s would definitely be Night is Short, Walk on Girl. And as much as I would like to say it's mostly just a sequel to Tatami Galaxy, not really. It is definitely its own thing, just following, uh, following, which I'm pretty sure her name, her name is just Atome, like, her and the main dude don't end up getting names they just are characters involved in this world on one crazy night going around kyoto that involves drinking involves uh (laughs) involves incredibly old uh, pornographic material being sold in the underground involves um a drinking contest uh going between an old man and the passions of youth being put head to head in a (laughs) duel of perspectives um it goes through there's a college uh college university play that is happening in the middle of all this where the student council is trying to shut him down at every turn but they seem to be having an edge like there's just so much jam-packed and so much fun and kineticism inside of this film that there's just nothing else that is quite like it in inside this decade and if there's any um I guess it, I don't have to recommend uh, Masaki Iwasa's previous works. Like I mean, you don't have to watch Tatami Galaxy, the uh, series, in order to go and watch this to have a good time. But the fact, like he, <laughs> how he incorporates references to all of his previous material and all of his works all into this one piece is just it was so nice to just have all of those callbacks just being added on to just add to the experience so it was an incredibly fun time probably my second favorite film of the decade only second year name and i would definitely give that a more wholehearted recommendation okay so <laughs> i guess if i'm going to be trying to get this done in a well and a quick quick enough matter so i'll go through a quick handful of honorable mentions before i get to the top uh, 20 series that i have for the 2010s and all of these are in no particular order and i mean for their honorable mentions sure i'll just get to those now before i just keep on going randomly. so it's weird because fate zero uh steins gate and tatami galaxy all fall under the same category of these would all have probably made the list if i had like re them recently because i mean i watched all of these shows Steinsgate and fades Zero probably back in 2012 and tatami galaxy in 2013 and it has been a long while since i've rewatched them and i know that the quality is there but it's just a lot of it a lot of the um what is it just the specific details and how everything pulls out in those shows i know that it's a good watch and i know that at some point in time if i ever decide to jump back into those stories i will have a good time but it's just I don't have enough to go off of with them in order to, like, uh, confidently put them on that list. So that's kind of unfortunate, but those are all good recommendations. Fate Zero being a fantastic prequel to the Fate series with an entirely different tone and an entirely different writer to give a good new spin and a new take on the series that hadn't necessarily been done before. If you had seen uh, any of Fate Stay Night or Unlimited Blade Works, you already know how the story ends, but... Regardless of that, it's a more than good enough ride to bring anybody else into the Fate franchise, honestly. Tatami Galaxy, like I said before, is just written by the same dude who did Night is Short Walk on Girl. It includes the characters, it has a lot of callbacks. All the callbacks from Night is Short essentially uh, owe it to this film, in per- or this, this series in particular which is essentially just about a dude in university already going to, through two years of his life inside of it, and he's already halfway there, and he feels like he hasn't accomplished anything, and I'm already just, <laughs> just uh, splitting it off and rambling into the abyss. But honestly, from all that I can recall, especially it having possibly one of the best anime uh, endings of all time, like just being able to tie everything up together so nicely, considering that the show just follows him in his last two years of university and he goes into different clubs into different scenarios into different one into different events and activities that defines the last few years of his uh, uni- uh, university life but the it time loops at the end of every episode and he goes to and so he tries this and then he tries this and then he tries this and somehow there it's all able to coalesce into like possibly one of my favorite episodes of anime period in the final episode and kind of just give this message of essentially, even though I wasn't able to take a dart. I watched this in my first year of uni, and it, the messages definitely didn't stick because I was just a fucking idiot. Um, but it's just, uh, it's a definite positive outlook on how you can actually let these experiences define you and it's definitely a good recommendation to go through um i think i would definitely uh, go through put steinsgate on on this honorable mentions as well i mean nick a buddy of mine thinks i'm pretty sure it's one of his favorite series and still is but it's like man after going through like i haven't re-watched it in eight years not a lot of people liked Steinsgate Zero, and but that doesn't necessarily dip on the show's quality here. So I'm gonna have to go back and give it a rewatch to actually like confirm my feelings on it. But at the bit, but afterwards, I'm pretty sure it was in my top twenty before I made this list several years ago. But we're just gonna have to wait and see how that goes. Um, Sound Euphonium, also an honorable mention, goes through on just the quality of its um, production alone. All the characters are interesting. The potential relationship that would have been able, <laughs> that I hoped would have blossomed, by the end of the first season was like one of the best bids in terms of like also one of my favorite episodes of anime, uh, leading through the festival arc. But yeah, the second season I definitely would give a lot of props, considering that I was definitely invested uh, through the competitions that they were going to go through, and it's honestly one of Kyoto Animation's, uh, best works, by far. You're going to be seeing a couple of those, uh, moving on, but just, uh, you'll just have to wait and see on that, but I think the last one, even though it's only had two seasons to its name, and the second season came out in 2020, um, Kaguya Wants to Be Confessed To definitely is one of the best comedies, I have seen in anime period. I mean, I was an incredibly huge fan of the manga before the first season came out. But the fact that the director, who is a similar, who is the same director on a show that's also on my uh, top twenty list, um, who is notably known for drama, decides to come into a romantic comedy and in- infuse just so many of his uh, quirks and his unique style to make all of the panels inside of the manga just pop in its own distinct way but has a really good but he has a really good example of staging and letting the situation play out and of course the the addition of sound especially with the two main voice actors for shirogane and uh, kaguya definitely just deserve a's like not only a's just s pluses in my book considering that they bring the characters to life so much more than i thought they would have been able to just coming off of the page and it's Considering that I wouldn't be surprised the third season is going to be announced by the end of 2021, it is definitely a show that you need to go through if you're at all a fan of decent uh, rom-coms. So, finally, jumping to this list for... I guess I just wanted to do something uh, a little more grandiose and give a top list at some point in time. So I might as well do this for, for the end of the season. So, I mean, at least at this point... All of these shows for the best of the 2010s are going to go between with very um, minute graces, basically from the 2010s, all the 2010s, 2010 to 2019. Considering that it's been, even though it's been a year since that decade has ended and there hasn't really been much to look forward to uh, for this year. I was thinking about just looking back and kind of seeing how the majority of that decade kind of molded and shaped my view as an anime fan. Considering that I did get into anime back uh, around the beginning of 2011. And so it was just about this decade that um, I started along this path of enjoying this medium and I couldn't be more thankful for it. But to begin, this show is probably the most recent one that I ended up watching, considering that I had a lot of time during quarantine and a good amount of time to catch up on it, uh, would be Hunter Hunter, the uh, 2011 adaptation. Because it is possibly the best shonen I have ever watched, with the amount of episodes that they're able to go through. I know that uh, the manga is just mostly on hiatus like given the berserk treatment and it's just off and on and there's not really much that they can do without it considering Togashi's health but just the way it's able to like the breadth and depth of this world along with the power system the story the characters that you follow through the beginning through the hunter exams through York News, through the mafia and through the chimera ant arc that essentially ends off on the series with like some of the best main people uh not people best characters of a main cast that I've seen like for shonen, like I mean Gon is just one of the most unique Shonen protagonists inside the bunch, but he's still able to change to such a degree due to his power and due to the friendships that he makes along the way that it just makes for one of the most unique but uh, driving experiences inside of a shonen that i've seen his friendship with killawa who's trying to distance himself from his family of assassins and try to like make a stake for himself in the world and just eh, the two that come a guy leorio and kurapika that each have their own motivation and drives just give more than enough depth to uh, this main cast to stretch out for an entire lifetime of uh of this story and so it's kind of unfortunate that the story in of itself is not completed and most likely never will but I mean the final episode of the series gives enough of a send-off that it makes more than enough do for the characters that we were able to enjoy and honestly it is a once the fights get going it's a fantastic bid with a mix of brawn and strength and skill and uh tactitioning. Tactitioning. <laughs> Not really the best uh bit, but strategy. It's just a fantastic example of what Shonen is capable of, and possibly one of the best ones out there. Um so an- another one that would go so moving next up onto the list, uh Yuri on Ice. It's been a while and even though it's only been since twenty sixteen, it definitely uh gives off that it's been several years, more years than I would think. But um, what the series was able to accomplish, like not only being a showcase in animation for the most part, um, the fact that it was able to incorporate or uh mold itself into the uh into the real sex sect of uh figure skating as well, considering that we just in this show uh follow a Japanese figure skater who's trying to who's been just tailing off towards the end of his career but he ends up finding a second wind once he actually is able to take tutelage under his favorite skater and learn from him and potentially try and make himself back uh, into a decent section of his competition so not only bringing himself up but comparing himself to the old guard slowly but surely like bringing himself into those ranks and also going up against the the new guard as well in the form of yurio who is also just a bundle of (laughs) chaotic energy And I just remember having so many good memories about this series and just seeing how many real-life influences it takes and how many real-life figure skaters actually, like, jumped into it and, like, the breadth... Of how many facets that this show was able to go through definitely helps uh f- thankful to the incorporators of social media not only in the series itself but how it was able to spread around the internet and just kind of get a lot of help from the figure skating community as a whole um there was also i'm pretty sure i remember there was an instagram account called naughty the fuck and it was the some and it was one teenage girl who is like reacting with such extreme vigor and thirst to all the characters and what essentially was going on inside like like, I was waiting for those stories just as much as I was waiting for the next episode to come out. So I just had a lot of positive experiences with this series once it came out. I would definitely give it a good recommendation. There's going to be a sequel film coming out sometime in 2021 or 22. And I honestly can't wait to see uh, what's able to become of that because, they've. it's been a long time coming. Um, moving on to another... Uh, not really directorial show, it's just a really good and enticing drama done by the same director as I said before, Kaguya wants to be confessed to, and this is Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju, and it is a period piece that stretches upon a good chunk of the 90s and into the 2000s for a Japanese style, uh, Japanese cultural style of theater called Rakugo, which was just, you could not really give a decent, um, or not really decent, an enticing uh, synopsis of the series. Because it's literally, oh yeah, so what is it about? Oh, well, it's about Ruck And it's this, you know, sit-down play where the actors, it's only one actor, and they have a fan as an only prop, and they have to do these this roll of different stories and perform it. And so it focuses on, um, well, part of it focuses on a guy who ends up who used to work for the Yakuza and then he gets out of prison and he uses Rakugo to take a reformation in his life and turn it around but the majority of the first season focuses on his teacher who was a Rakugo performer leading through World War... I'm pretty sure it was World War II was one of the bids and how he's able to try and keep this culture and this old style of art alive as it gets brought into the future and as... Him and his friend go through trials and tribulations to try and uh, make sure they can live off of Rakugo and try to make this art to—or take the art to its extremes, as well as uh, essentially keep it alive once more and more diverse forms of entertainment start popping up in Japan and how they're able to keep that sort of in the public consciousness and not let it die out. Uh, But it's just—there's not really much that I can do to do the show justice. It's it's a fantastic drama, great romance, great relationships— character dynamics, everything I look for, considering that when I look at a series, if it's a drama, I hope that the characters and the relationships are able to pull as much out of that scenario as they could. In terms of Kaguya, I definitely uh, put that up on a pedestal, considering that if you're a comedy show, you need to create some of the best and funniest scenarios, but not only just go it off page for page, do what the director for this did, and essentially bring use every modem of tools at your disposal considering that not only is it an anime in that case you have to use the uh, comedicism of the voice actors and actresses that are going through you have to pull the camera you have to direct the scene you have to bring color and sound and edits into it to bring out as much of its potential and the director of this definitely did a good job on both those shows both of them get a recommendation from me please go and watch it So moving along, um, told you this wasn't going to, or Hibike wasn't going to be the last Kyoto Animation work on here. Hyoka. I would still say this is their best work (laughs) for, um, take that as you will. It is probably their best, uh, television, uh, television anime adaptation in terms of just the breadth of the characters, uh, the mysteries that they're able to incorporate into the, into the show and how that, uh, changes the character dynamics, but not only does that, but bringing them closer together, um one of the most if not the most consistently good animated production for an anime series like in a long fucking time possibly one of the best of the 2010s for the 22 episode run that they had they just did a smorgasbord and a clinic on what you were able to accomplish with good directing pieces sound design um just color shading animation dynamicism just every like tens across the board Uh, it it was really, it was really fun on rewatch. And I think it definitely like stuck in my top, in my top 20, considering that I watched it when it was airing back in 2012 and then gave it a rewatch in 2015 and then gave it another rewatch in 2018. It's like, oh, so after like just after getting into uh the anime sphere in of itself like you would think now that i've seen more you know rom-coms or mysteries from based in the high school that this is a drop in quality it's like no this is this is better this is probably one of the best high school anime adaptations that you were ever going to get inside the medium um but just i guess moving on from the uh, details about it it was more so it's based on oreki hodoro who ends up becoming a first year at this high school and he and his friend satoshi end up making or not making revitalizing the basic literature club at the um not the expense at the uh plead of one of uh the girls that have essentially been holding it together uh chitanda who is very like enrapturing to Uh, Hodoro. Like, he he just takes up on it immediately, even though he's a guy who really wants to just keep his energy conservation low, which in this case the most um, bare bones and laziest way to say that he is lazy as fuck. Um, But I would definitely give this um, one a good recommendation in the sense that it's probably one of Like, it is still the best, I think, TV animated uh, production that Kyoto Animation has been able to go through and create. And, yeah, I don't know. There's not really much to say. It's kind of the same deal as Rakugo, where there's not really a good way to get people enticed about the show, where it's like, oh, so four high school students just fuck around inside of a classroom and do, uh, you know, odd jobs and solve mysteries, but very small mysteries, not essentially ones that would, like, bring too much uh, conflict into the table. Uh, but it's just, as a character drama, and of its own, with a little bit of romance thrown in there, it's honestly at the top of its class, and there's not really much else I can say about it. Um, leading into another one, kind of the same deal, like, it's, I don't know why I put all these guys in a row, Jihai Furu, kind of the same deal, um, Don Kwan just tried and tried, because I know it's his favorite show, and... It's such a—and once again, it is such a turnoff. It's like, oh, say, so, okay, so what's this about? Well, it's a sports anime, but it's on this very niche <laughs> Japanese cultural card game called Karuta, where uh, there are 100 cards from 100 poems, and 50 poems are played on the board, uh, 25 on each side, and you have to slap away the card once you hear the speaker go out the uh, read out the first verse of the poem, and you have to respond with the second verse. And the one who ends up with zero cards at the end wins. <laughs> it's, there's not really much that you can do to accurately, well, you can accurately describe the show. It's not going to get anybody invested. It's not going to get anybody enticed, which is incredibly um, unfortunate because it is a fantastic drama. It is a... Fantastic romance, I guess, considering that it 's one of the parts that still comes up every now and again, but i 'm thinking, man, just get away from this romance, just bring me back to the uh, bring me back to the car to bring me back to the sports uh, dynamicism and get me back to the action. I would definitely go and like same deal. Really good aesthetic and design, kind of similar to Hyoka, um, like incredibly colorful, incredibly dynamic. There's just a lot of good notes, and all the characters are extremely lovable. It's kind of the same deal, whereas through Hyoka, they have to bring in enough members for a club. Uh, the two uh, two of the main characters, uh, Chihaya and Taichi, they have to get enough members to make a karate club at their school, just so they can get enough funding and get a place to actually stay and practice. And Arata also uh, gets thrown in because he was the one that ended up getting both of them into Carta in the first place. But he's on the other side of the country in his own prefecture and trying to become the master of the Majin in this case, where you have to be the best, (laughs) be the best that no one ever was. And it's incredibly interesting to see how uh, these characters just keep going and what conflicts they have to face not only in their own uh games but in the relationships that they have to bring as well and in terms of love triangle i'm definitely going to be a taichi gang you really can't bring me away from this considering that him and uh which which really sucks at the moment considering that we are left off of a cliffhanger at the end of season three and we know that there's going there has to be another series or two because it isn't completed but even though that's a little bit of a knock on me for not being a complete story. I just, based on how hype season three was that came out recently this year, it's just one of, if not the, uh, just one of the best sports anime, I guess, to just put it uh, plainly. Uh, So i definitely give that a recommendation. Moving on to something that's a little more easier to sell and one that, of course, is going to have its final season popping up uh, in, jeez, like I think in the next week, it's going to be Attack on Titan um so i watched this when it was airing back in 2013 and didn't really think much of it you would probably at the time call it like the game of thrones of anime considering that everybody else was dying off left and right and it was incredibly dark and grimaced and all the characters have to re- have to rely on each other and in-, in through this dark time and this is like weird dark fantasy sort of scenario where humanity has been all but extinct and they live in protection behind these walls and they've been doing so for the past hundred years and the only thing that at the moment is keeping them inside are these massive let's see i think it's like one one two meter to 15 meter tall man-eating titans that essentially just keep humanity at bay and it's it's incredibly easy to get somebody into this as well as it being on every single streaming platform imaginable but the third season in particular that came out um in 2019 was without a doubt the season that just like brought me into a whole new world, like the revelations and the battles and everything that you end up learning and taking place uh in between those seasons. I will admit I was a little, I was spoiled on the, a lot of the reveals that happened in season two for methods entirely within my control. I was an idiot, Um but not knowing anything going into season three, and especially the final season four popping up, it's an incredibly like high octane and just wild and diverse ride. If you were going to recommend anybody to get into anime, this would definitely be the show that I would be going through if they're looking for a lot of, a lot of good fun, and a lot of action, and a lot of intrigue. Um, going to the opposite side of that spectrum, another recent one that came out uh, over the past last two years would be A Place Further Than Universe. Simple enough, it's about a handful of girls following one's lead to take a trip over to Antarctica, to possibly get some closure and find out the results of one of uh, one of the girl's mothers, shirase considering that her mother went missing based on I, I don't know if this was based on a novel or not the novel that they bring the title on is called the place for the universe which talks about antarctica and that's where all the girls essentially like go through for various reasons and it was and honestly it was fun it was incredibly fun just seeing all the journeys that All of them go through and the trials that they have to achieve like with one another and it was incredibly entertaining and fun in that regard. Each of them have their own quirks that make them not only memorable but just fun to watch as well. The only knock that I can kind of give this show is that it tries too hard to get a cathartic moment at the end of every episode and if you're doing this for which I think was 13 episodes long, it definitely didn't need that many In order to be, it's like, yeah, I don't have to be afraid anymore, or I can trust in the sanctity of my friend. Like, you didn't have to make some grandiose statement at the end of every episode. If you did it, like, once every three, or once every four, and spread them out, honestly, that would have done the show a lot of favors. But when the moments hit, they hit hard especially within the last two once the story concludes and we're trying and we're just getting to the end of this long of the long journey that they were able to finally achieve through others uh compassion and determination it was more than enough of a good ride and definitely one of my favorites of the decade i guess moving on to something else that's also going to recently finish up not not in this decade but the decade next um fruits basket it's 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 two seasons in uh, there's only 13 episodes I think left which are going to come out within the next 18 months and I still think it's just my favorite shoujo of all time no question um, I didn't I didn't read the manga I didn't watch the original I think it was 2006 around 2006 anime adaptation considering that I just took look one look at the character designs and was like yo this is not it <laughs> so yeah so even though I was a big fan of shoujo i didn't necessarily give it the opportunity and then i can't remember if it was um 2017 uh, around 2017 when the first season came out it was like oh so this is why people are touting it as an incredibly like well-written piece of work and possibly one of the best shoujos of all time considering that um i don't the major, the vast majority of the characters even though they have a wide cast to work from the main ones definitely do their work and follow Tor and give toru the strength that she needs but i mean so um so shoujo kind of reverse harem i guess not really reverse harem most of it's just a love triangle i guess in this case but we have honda i uh chita not Chitanda, not chitaru i can't remember her last bloody name but honda um is a high school student and she's homeless because both of her parents are dead and her grandfather is currently in the middle of uh, what is it, doing renovations on his house, which is where she used to live, but she ends up getting taken in by the Somas, who are this rich traditional family, but the twist is that anytime time one of the... Yeah, but they are cursed, and in, cursed in a weird way. Anytime any of the um, Somas interact with the opposite sex, it's essentially just, like, I, I guess embrace, because they've, they've held hands, they've, like, done a lot of, uh, like, just basic skinship but if they embrace or hug one of the opposite sex they turn into one of the 12 uh, chinese zodiacs and then in this case one of the dudes of the main triangle is the one hanging outside of the chinese zodiac which was the cat and they do an incredibly good job like melding this um so kyo and yuki are essentially like the two main love interests inside this love triangle and they both do an incredibly good job um getting over trying or at least and succeeding more often than not, now that we're getting to the end of it, to, of absolving their trauma, considering that trauma and horrible familial relationships are essentially the backbone of a lot of the drama and the basis that a lot of this story rides on, but it does it with such apt finesse and just gentle uh, embrace that and understanding that it's definitely something that you can't help but get teary-eyed over. Um, so I can't wait until the series finally, uh, concludes, and I wouldn't necessarily be surprised that this would be one of my favorite shows of all time if the ending is able to stick the landing, so we'll just have to wait and see. March Comes Like a Lion, coming up next on the list. Yeah, no, it's just, once again, an incredibly well-thought-out drama about a boy who has essentially, who lost his family in a car crash very early on in his life, and the only thing that he was able... Ray, that's who it was, Ray. Um, And the only thing that he has to cling to is shogi, which is just this Japanese version of chess. And considering how well or how good he was at it, on top of the fact that his foster father inside of his family was a shogi teacher champion, essentially all the way up the ranks, who gave more attention to him than his own two children, which ends up creating a rift between the lot of them, and he ends up moving out very early on, or as quickly as he could, once he started making money off of winning shogi uh, shogi tournaments. And so he lives, he's just this 17- into 18-year-old kid living on his own, but what gives the, the show its light and its life is the Kawamoto sisters, who is this other surrogate family that he ends up spending a lot of time with these three sisters who also had family complications of their own who live with their uh, grandfather one of which is in her early 20s another which is just at the tail end of her middle school years and the other one's like oh geez she's only a kid she's like three years old and the joy that they're able to bring into Ray's life but his early uh, distance that he tr- tries to create with both himself and his family considering how he quote-unquote ruined the last family that he was living with be- like due to circumstances beyond his control makes him very hesitant into trying to bring himself into their lives and his stepsister also does very is also very aptly noticing that and she just decides to burden him and really grind away at any bit of ego and self-confidence that he has left where it's just oh so that's the other family that you moved in that's the next family that's going to be tragically broken apart by your own misdeeds and it's just really it's incredibly tragic and depressing in the first bit but as ray is able to open himself up not only to his new families, but the people around him. It's just a, an apt, beautiful story about dealing with the effects and the battles of depression and being able, considering that even though it helps to get people in your life that aptly help you, give you the strength to try and persevere and taking it one day at a time, but then on top of everything else, you are the one that has to understand yourself and you are the one that has to bring yourself out of that rut ultimately in the end. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to change. And I'm glad to see Ray change in this case throughout the majority of the series. And it's something that gives me real joy, especially in the second season once we actually see him aptly grow as a person. So huge recommendation to that. So leading on to, yeah, possibly the best uh, comedy series on this list would go to Konosuba. So like I said before, a lot of... Ways that I judge a show on its merits is that if it's, like I said before, if it's a drama, it has to be compelling. If it's a romance, you have to get me invested and emotionally attached to these characters. If it's a comedy, you have to make me fucking laugh. Um, But in this case, Konosuba just does such a good job at not only making me laugh, but also make me care about these piece-of-shit characters that all essentially find, like, a home banding together underneath this guild. And it's just, like, not really tragic but just uh laughable at how a lot of these go through considering that it's in the isekai genre because this one this one neat this dude uh late teens early 20s i can't remember um essentially gets (laughs) he gets isekai because he dies trying to save a girl from being run over by a tractor but the tractor doesn't end up killing him he ends up having a heart attack which aptly gets him laughed at by not only the doctors operating on his table but even his own family members when they come to view his body and so he, so him and in this case this one angel who he brings with him i guess not angel a goddess more like it into this like fantasy rpg style uh system of a world and now he has to work himself up from the bottom and like meet another eccentric and colorful cast of characters and just to try to get on... Like, everybody, everybody's a piece of shit to each other for the most part, but they aptly grow together as a group and it becomes, like, even with its references and the realization as well as um, just the total idea that yes this series knows that it's trapped in a isekai in a fantasy world like so many other shows that came before it but it actually uh, recognizes that and brings that into its comedy more than most can so it was an incredibly fun and entertaining time the what is it i think it was the movie that came out either at the beginning of this year or at the end of 2019 was also an incredibly fun to watch and it's uh dude just the energy uh, the comedic timing and the way the show has been directed, and how the characters interact with each other, is something that you can only find in this show, and it and more than enough deserves my recommendation. Um, so, Tamako Market. I said that Shoka was my favorite Kyoto, an- or no, Yoko was the best Kyoto animation work. Tamako Market, as well as its uh, as well as its film, Tamako Love Story, is my favorite uh, by far. It is just such an incredibly Warm and fuzzy and wholesome series taking place in this little family market, where Tamako, who even though she her late mother passed a couple of years back, she runs this mochi shop with her father and has a really good relationship with the boy living across the street that also is the son of a mochi owner. And so everybody inside of this community is just so familial and connected and just generous to each other that everybody is essentially their own extended family and it's just it's like it's just a cute girls doing cute things show like sure there is a plot that shows up at the at the first episode and at the last episode but when one of the ultimate messages of the show is just like you don't need to have this grandiose thing you can still be happy in the world that you are right now and you can just live through with that considering that this is where you are happy and there's nothing wrong with that. This is essentially how you want to live your life. And to be fair, having that, op- having that opportunity and showing that you can essentially just be happy with what you have now was just such a warm and uplifting um, message by the end, especially how we get a little bit more of the romance, for, for better or worse. Like, some people don't like how the romance is uh, more accentuated inside the movie and that it shouldn't, re- and it didn't really need to exist, but honestly, the relationship between um, Tamako and Mochizo is just definitely so warm and so wholesome and it's just one of my favorite watches by far but going into a little bit of darker territory Made in Abyss definitely did its duty in creating like one of the most engaging and mysterious fantasy worlds that could still very well like exist in our own um, being based around this abyss that has only been explored so deeply but only due to the fact that you cannot come back alive or you cannot come human if you go deep enough considering that the deeper you go the harder and harder it is to make itself make uh to get yourself back out of it but the notoriety the treasures the riches every th- like uh just the legendary status that you were able to get depending on how deep you dive into this abyss um is more than anything to a lot of people that exist inside of this world um and it definitely is a good what was it it does a good job even though even though the main characters are children that don't really seem equipped to the job they've been living inside of this uh not monastery but just um living inside of this foster home that trains them in a way that they would be able to survive uh the depths considering that our main character rico and rico she's young and naive but she's competent which is something that you rarely see and the only reason that she's even able to live or even navigate the abyss in of itself is when this metal robot boy reg ends up not really metal but just robotic comes out of the abyss and saves her life but now that she realizes that she has an opportunity to go see and explore the deepest depths into the abyss now that she knows that possibly her mother is waiting down there for her it's just incredibly enticing and rich story that is waiting to be told i mean in terms of just the production in of itself there was a lot of um there was a lot of ex people that did a lot of the uh environmental and terrain design um it's either i think it's ko yoshinari the brother of trigger director yo yoshinari who does a lot of the monster designs and he does an incredibly fantastic job at making and bringing those to life and the soundtrack by uh australian native kevin Penkin just adds so much to this series that it would just not be the same without, so a huge, sorry, a huge recommendation. And now we get to the orange section of the list. Um, Studio Orange, in this case, and I'm going to start off with B Beastars. Uh, even though I know it's from a long-running series that I know is still ongoing, and we've only got 12 episodes, and it's just the very basics at the beginning of the story for the relationships and the events that we know that we're going to go forward. Dude, it's it's just so fucking good. And Studio Orange did a really good job um, bringing these anthropomorphized animals to life. So, I mean, basically the story revolves around um, this entire, like imagine Zootopia, but <laughs> people call it Zootopia, but horny. Because um, it's it's the same deal. has animals are living in a society where carnivores and herbivores uh, coexist. And it follows this high school based wolf named Lagoshi, who ends up uh just not really falling in love but just going through the majority of his life trying to figure out what he is and how to battle his own animal instincts because he's a wolf in stark contrast to louise who is a stag but he is a herbivore he is he is close to the bottom of the food chain even though his charisma his enigmatic stature gives him more presence than most of the animals in the school can, and which is why he's trying to become the B-Star, who is the de facto leader of the society that uh, goes through the majority of this. Man, I'm really running out of, uh, running out of juice for my voice here. Um, but it's just, and the uh, white dwarf rabbit, Haru, who is in between them, who is a, well, she's a rabbit, she's a sex addict, but she's given more than enough characterization as to why she is the way she is inside the society that deems her incredibly weak and small and just more than enough and is only meant to be consumed it's just the story in of itself it, it has a handful of shoujo elements especially when it comes to the later half of the season but what it is able to accomplish and how all the characters are able to fight against their own ambitions and their own uh, carnal instincts just does an incredibly exceptional job and is a fantastic bit of storytelling in comparison uh to the witch um and then on top of that the second season is going to be airing at the beginning of 2021 so in a handful of weeks and you know that i'm going to be immediately jumping on that the first day it comes out and part two of the orange section of this list land Lustrous*, possibly one of my favorites of the decade if not all of anime uh, what they were able to accomplish considering that this was, this was Studio Orange's first solo um, lead production that they had and what they were able to accomplish in terms of production-wise, uh, design, molding, modeling a lot of the characters and like being able to tell the story as well with the uh, inclusion of color, dynamicism and the music that is also involved in, inside of the show is nothing short of just breathtaking and mesmerizing. And (laughs) fucking insane. Um, But essentially, it takes place on this small island somewhere on the Earth with uh, essentially uh, gemstones. uh, Anthropomorphized, very common in uh, Orange's works, anthropomorphized gems. And they essentially live for centuries. And the only thing that they have to fear are the Lunarians, who at random times will... Essentially, teleport into through these sunspots in the sky, and try to pick up and destroy and drag the gems back to their home on the moon, which are inc- which is incredibly out there concept and uh, scenario, but it's just how the story is able to be told and the characters that we end up follow uh Light or just Foss, as we uh uh as she likes to be called is a relatively young gem but the trials and tribulations that she has to go through and growing up and becoming more of a character in of itself rather than just being a lazy just do nothing that uh lounges around and waits for the (laughs) like ends of time considering that she's brittle she's weak So she can't go into combat, but then what exactly is she good for if all they're doing is combating the Lunarians for centuries? So she tries to combat that with um, doing things that only she can do, but also getting lost and just besheveled and broken in the process. It's an incredibly odd show to recommend, but if there's, it is without a doubt one of my favorites by far. It is just an incredibly polished and well-put-together show, and... Currently reading the manga is close to being concluded. I wouldn't be surprised if it, um, if it ends by the end of 2021 and we're able to get a few more adaptations out of them through Studio Orange because they are the only studio I would ever let them give another opportunity to finish all of this up, but it's, oh, it's fantastic. Just go and give it a watch. You're not going to be disappointed. Um, The Eccentric Family. Uh, I rewatched the first uh, season of this again because the first ended up coming back way in 2013 and it's just such a fun and energetic just romp of a world that is just so built so closely to ours that you wouldn't be surprised it was right out in front of you to touch and interact with. But it's essentially just it just takes place in Kyoto with the introduction of Tanuki, which are creatures who can transform into anything they please, but the majority of the time it's uh, into humans, so they can interact and live inside of the world. And the and Tanuki, which are essentially humanoid, or sorry, did I say Tanuki? No, Tengu, who just fly through the who fly through the skies and can, if they don't have wings in their back, they can essentially just levitate and use wind to the forces that not many others can uh, trifle them with. And it's mostly just how a large family tries to interact and survive inside of a world where they previously lost their father, who is a huge, upstanding member in the Tanaki community, and what how they're able to become their own selves and live under and live outside of the large and glorious shadow that their father was able to emit, and how to become their own person and what they are able to accomplish inside the world and inside the stature and the situations that have befallen them. If if, uh, Season 2 didn't start to teeter off below the end, I definitely would have, like, just immediately put this as one of my favorites of all time. Um, The only knock that I can give Season 2 is that it um, rehashes a lot of uh, story beats from the first season, but other than that, what they were able to accomplish and incorporate inside of their own world through those two seasons, if this is all we get, I'm more than happy about it. (laughs) as my next option is a little bit of a cheat considering that I know that the first season of Bakamonogatari came out in 2009 but the other 14, 15 or so seasons, adaptations, OVAs, movies all like have come out over the past 10 years and I will more than enough give that uh, the benefit of the doubt to bring it into it because it's probably I don't watch a lot of harems but I could still quote unquote call this a harem in the beginning and even stretching out through the majority of its runtime like the best Harem show, but that would honestly just be doing this show a disservice. Um, starting out with it, it's based off of um, a set of light novels by Nisi Oisin who is an incredibly apt uh, character writer, and it follows um, Araragi, who is a vampire or a dempier, I guess. Like, it doesn't really use that title as show, but he's just a vampire, considering that he is still able to go out into the sun, but he is still um, helping. A handful of other people, the majority of them are girls, with their various supernatural um, tendencies and issues that they have dragging around with them, and that's the basis of it. But even though I called it a harem show, they really fix that uh, quickly with the with the introduction of Senjougahara and how their relationship blossoms. And it's probably like my favorite couple in inside of anime, like really high up there. So, but it's just the way that the stories progress. A lot of it focuses on Japanese wordplay, so I can definitely, like, give prop, mad props to the uh, fan subbers who are able to take those Japanese-esque wordplay jokes and bring them into, like, a uh, English uh, perspective. Um, but it's just, like, the characters that they meet along the way, the sequel series—or the prequel series that came before it and the series of movies that came out over the past couple of years, those are fantastic— Um, there's a little bit of a dip depending on, like, season to season, going back and forth, but it's still just the quality that it's able to accomplish in action, in comedy, in relationships, and character writing, and the romance that also blossoms through the majority of this is honestly nothing short of amazing. So, there is no, (laughs) there is no, uh, doubt in my mind that I would add Monogatari to this list. Let's see, so, what to talk about this one with? Shiro Bako, so... This is supposed to be getting a film that was going to come out this year, but everything i moved back, which I kind of got disappointed of. but it is the most, um, anime take of the industry and the production process that you could possibly get. You won't get everything, but it's essentially just following, um, a small studio with, the anime that they are producing and creating. And so it's an anime within an anime. Um, And it does a really apt job at characterizing and doing a lot of good job flushing out a lot of these characters, sometimes also hitting a little too close for home. Because I think it was five different girls within five different facets of the anime industry, and it's, like, one of the hardest fucking cuts I've ever seen in anime through the first episode of this was just essentially, like, all these, these five girls who made their own, like, short film, animated short film inside of high school, and they're all going to go out and do their best and try to get uh, roles in their respective careers— and it just cuts from one of the one of the girls holding a fucking donut to the sky and then hard cutting to a fucking steering wheel and she is dead beat. she is tired she's got bags under her eyes and she's just stuck in traffic and i'm like oh god you just can't you just can't just throw that on me <laughs> it just out of nowhere it was absolutely so a lot of it is a so it's a adult drama based on a lot of these characters, like, in, in their early 20s, just trying to, like, come to terms and trying to find their own place in the world, especially inside of this medium where a, a lot of the new talent that ends up coming into it just chews them up and spits them out because of how much work and how little pay and recognition that you end up getting inside of this industry. But what—but the passion still shines through inside the series and what they're able to accomplish inside of the 24 episodes that they were given with nods to different industry heads and different characters and just retrospective pieces of information and scenarios that actually happened and what the industry has gone through over the past several decades all of it is brought through in full form in glorious fashion for this show so if you want to have to take a little sneak peek inside the anime production process this would honestly be a really good recommendation um so run with the wind this show uh made me run a half marathon (laughs) um that's that's essentially like all i need to say like at the beginning this anime got me into into running a half marathon um the one coming after this will kind of give a better lead in but at least for the show itself run with the wind uh takes place inside this university club who is looking for a team of half marathon runners uh, to take part in the Hakone Ekiden, which is basically this half marathon relay with ten runners that have to run a half marathon each, uh, and it's like this interuniversal, university running competition that takes place uh, at the begin at the beginning or end of the year. It's it's in winter, so it's it's around those times. Um, and it follow and it essentially like follows all these different characters, like still in the middle of university, trying to figure out what essentially they want to do in life and what running is going to accomplish if, if all it's going to do is make them sore and make them, like, <laughs> dragged and bruised and hurt and takes up a lot of their time, considering that I would imagine a lot of them would want to spend that time a little more wisely than running a half marathon each week. But what the camaraderie that comes through with these characters and the backstories that you're able to get and the characterization and the drama that they still have to go through but accomplish in... In spite of one another, even though they're all the ones that are able to make this team work and function as a unit. It was just amazing seeing all of these characters in of themselves grow as people, not only due to the help of running and competition that they have to pass in order to even get into this race in the first place, but how they're able to grow as people and what they're able to accomplish once they've all reached the finish line of their own lives and what running will bring in for with them as well. So, like, on top of the fact that I... I dude, like, in, in the middle of watching this, I ran a fucking half marathon. Which was, like, if an anime can get me into doing this kind of activity, I've gotta give it props to that. Um, Which is weird, leading into the second last item on this list, Mob Psycho 100. So the only comparison that I can, like, bridge between this and Run With The Wind was that, I mean, <laughs> Mob Psycho got me into... Running my first uh, 10k, and I'll get to that in a moment. But I think I, I guess I might as well start with the uh, with the synopsis of this. In the sense that it's about this incredibly powerful middle schooler kid uh, named uh, I think Koyama. I think was his name, but everybody just calls him Mob. He's an incredibly powerful psychic in a world with many psychics, but he's just like way up there. But because he's just incredibly introverted and shy, and that all the people inside of his life were thinking of more. Like you want to get a career like do well in school, like do well in sports like uh like impress all the girls and just do everything a regular boy wants to do, so even though he is this exponentially powerful psychic, he still wants to be good at things that um, that all that everybody else that's normal around him can do as well, which is why he looks up to his uh younger brother, considering that he's like he's cool, he does well in school. Like all the girls like him, and that he's just the exact opposite. But he has no psychic powers, so that's why his relationship between him is a bit strained. And it also comes into essential like. And then one of the biggest characters inside of the series, who everybody comes to know and love, uh, Reagan, who is just this con artist that makes himself out to be a psychic just so he can get mob to help him with a couple of small jobs to make money because he's a little bit of a con artist. Um, it was, but just the, just the emotional depth that this series is able to bring and how it's, it's, it's modems and themes of self-improvement resonate just so well with everybody that ends up giving it a watch. The animation is absolutely stellar considering that even though the character designs are very simple and just liney, what you are able to do with them in motion more than makes up for the simplicity around their designs. And moving on to this anime was the one that got me into running. Because around the second season... Uh, it, like, so I, around the time that the second season came out, my buddies wanted to get me into running this 10k called Sun Run out in Vancouver. And it was just like, dude, I haven't ran in over five years. In fact, I don't, honestly don't know if I can even run 4k. So why the hell would you even go through that? And so in the second season, Mob trains himself... To run in his uh, school's 10-kilometer run, even though he's scrawny, even though he's underdeveloped, shy, anemic to a degree. And it's like, wait, dude, this, this fucking kid, this fucking kid who's pushing himself to improve himself in many different ways, shapes, and forms just so he can push himself to his own limits and try and become a better person? Fuck, why can't I do that? And, and it's like, no, dude, you can't do that. It's like, you, you know what? You're fucking right. I can do that. And... So I guess, like, through this and run With The Wind, like, the shows that are able to inspire me to, like, just get out of my shell and do things that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise is, like, definitely earns a plus in my book. And so Mob... Watching Mob Psycho 100 ended up, like, getting me to run a 10K, and then Run With The Wind ended up making me run a half marathon, and actually, like, just getting me out there and trying to improve myself is honestly just an un... Deniable plus and a debt that I would never be able to repay. So, I definitely would recommend both of these shows from the bottom of my heart. Like, not only do the quality, but what they're able to inspire you to do as well. And so, the last show on this list for my favorites of the decade, possibly my favorite of all time, would be Ping Pong the Animation. It's been a while since I think I remember watching this back in 2014, 2015, but just the impact and what it's been able to accomplish, like as a character drama and a sports drama and a dissection between like what it is to compete and what is important to you and when you have to cross the line and when you actually have to go back and think for yourself rather than others like it's it's absolutely ridiculous like Masaki Iwasa is probably my favorite director of all time and this is so far like my favorite work of his to date and what he's able to accomplish inside of these 13 episodes, it looks a little janky at the beginning, and that's why a lot of people kind of wrote it off at first, and so did I. But it's just like, you would be doing yourself a disservice not giving the show an opportunity. Like, what it's able to accomplish in its short runtime is nothing more than astounding in comparison to all the works that have come out in the past decade. Um, So I guess the basic synopsis, like based around Ping Pong, is we got Peko and Smile, two uh, high school students that are going through who are exceptionally good at ping pong, but Smile is just incredibly shy and just self-centered and, uh, like, he just doesn't want to cause anybody trouble. And he holds himself back, and he has absolutely no competitive drive, whereas Peko, he's a really good ping pong player, but he's also incredibly overconfident and stubborn. And the fact that he has grown, like, nowhere near to anybody else that he has seen, considering that he was kind of... He was just a really big fish in a small pond, considering that once he stopped really you know putting his all into ping pong and having bigger and badder challengers come through even one that he ended up looking down upon kicks his ass a intern student from china ends up completely skunking him in a way that so skunking complete. so like i think it was uh 11 11 that's the first time it ever happened to his life and it kind of like sent him into depression like wait a second so what the fuck have i been doing um, and what Smile has to do because his lifelong friend Pecco is now just off in his own world, trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life, and so he's going to have to just deal with everything all on his own time and by himself, and try to figure out what would be the best method to move forward. And in this case, ping pong is the answer to both of them. And so, what the show was able to accomplish in its short runtime, and regardless of the style, regardless of what people say about the style of animation, what they're able to accomplish through visual storytelling and how the story plays out in the end is just nothing short of amazing. So I guess that's it, but if I really hope I can get any... I hope these recommendations will reach anybody who was just sitting around long enough to uh, give this uh, podcast a shot. I think for the foreseen future, I'm going to stretch this out from a one-week production to a bi-weekly production, because I just don't... I'm just... I hate to say it, I'm also too a bit lazy to try and actually get the majority of this stuff going. Um, It was nice to have this kind of experiment to see how much content um, I would be able to put out in a timely manner. But I think I'll be able to get better topics and better ideas with a better time frame that I actually go to myself. So I'm going to see how I'm going to be able to stretch this out into 2021. But I'm hoping that you decide to come along with the ride and uh, join me through wherever this goes. So thanks for listening.